This is the GGC Life Podcast. All right. Well, we're going to just take a few minutes. I'm hopefully not going to be too long, and um, we may end up prophesying over a couple of people. So if there's anything stirring in your heart for anyone in particular when I'm done, and for anyone else on the team, let's, let's flow like that and let's go for it. If, you, if you're open for that, I've got uh, something for a couple of people, which I'll share in a minute. I want to just take a few minutes. I want to speak on two things. I want to speak on judging prophecy and then how to see a prophecy over your life fulfilled. And I just love the way we'd never even met. We hadn't even had a conversation and how all of this has just dovetailed and flowed has just been uh, really can only be the Holy Spirit putting it all together. So just a reminder, everyone can prophesy. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit and then there's obviously the office of a prophet and the differences that come with that. But I want you to write these down because prophecy... And its fulfillment involves four main areas. And this is really important to understand. Number one is revelation. You're going to receive a revelation as you've been practicing now and as has been happening now and God has given you something. The second part of prophecy is interpretation. So you've received something and then there's the interpreting of what you received. And Janet's done an amazing job of explaining how that works. Then the third thing is the application. It's the revelation, interpretation, and then there's something you're going to do with, the, with it is the application. And then the fourth thing is the timing. Now, the reason I want to say these four things is you've got to do this in accordance to where God's actually placed you. Most times, I see people get a great revelation. The interpretation is good. Then if they haven't grown long enough in the prophetic, the application goes a bit wonky, and sometimes the timing is completely out. And so you don't feel that you have to get up when you're delivering a word or when you're receiving a word that you have to have all four operating immediately. Go with what you have. Do it in the way you've been taught that it makes sense and it's relatable. But don't go beyond the boundaries that God's given you and saying, well, this is what I got. This is the interpretation. This is how it's meant to be applied. Oh, and it's going to happen in the next two weeks. Unless you're really definitely sure that God has led you to do that and you've actually grown in the prophetic to the point where you can do that. And most times, and I'm going to speak about this in a minute, timing is where it falls over. Be very careful of prophesying a definite timeline of something unless you've really heard God because as we've often found out in life that our timing is not necessarily the Lord's timing. And sometimes we can be over-motivated by compassion for someone to receive something, but it's not actually the time for them to walk in it yet. It's something that's going to be made mature in days, weeks, or months to come. So it's really important we understand that. So go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and let's read from verse 18. How to see a word fulfilled and then also how to judge a word because it's important that we learn how to do that. So 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 20 says this, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and to a good conscience, which some have rejected and have so suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Another translation says, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Now, we've had the privilege of uh, my wife and I uh, and, and myself being in pastoral ministry of some sort, either on a team or leading a church as part of what we do uh, for around 20 years now. Um, 
And I think one of the biggest reasons I've seen people fall away from the faith is they didn't understand what I want to share with you today. Is that disappointment got into their hearts because somewhere they felt they received something or God spoke something and it has never, ever come to pass. And disappointment is said in Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. And it doesn't take long when you're in a church to find out that there's often a lot of sick hearts in church. And it's because they've got a hope that's been deferred that's never come to pass. But God doesn't want you to be a sick heart. He wants you to be a tree of life. And the beautiful thing about a tree of life is a tree of life doesn't just provide shade and nutrition for yourself. It provides shade and nutrition for other people. So people will come and sit under the shade of the fulfilled word over your life. Now, there's two definite parts to this. There's God's sovereignty, and then there's the part that you've got to play. And the two have to flow hand in hand. So you receive a word. Someone prophesies over you. You know it's a word of God. You've received it. I find a lot of people stop and say, God spoke it. God will bring it about when he's ready in his time. There's nothing I need to do. And then 20 years down the line, there's huge disappointment because it never came to pass. When we have to understand that it's a divine partnership with us and the Holy Spirit, God will do his bit, but he's requiring you to do your bit. And what I want to speak about today is the bit that you need to do to see a word come to pass in your life. So it's not all on you, but I want to say this. It's not all on God either. It's a divine partnership. God calls us into relationship with him that we walk these things out in partnership and relationship with him. So the first thing you need to do when you receive a word, number one, you need to discern the word. Really important that you discern the word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22 says, do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. The first thing you need to do is you need to discern the word. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, which Janet read, I'll just read it again, says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Now, this is in a, in a context and particularly in a, in, in a leadership context in a local church, but the principles are the same. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, before I get into the actual nitty-gritty of this, I want to say this because I just so loved what Janet said, and I loved what's happening in their church, because for me, you can have two types of order in the church. You can have graveyard order, and if you've ever been to a graveyard, you know that everything lines up, everything's neat, but there's a lot of death. Or you can have maternity ward order. My wife has given birth twice, and both times I felt for her, but I don't know how she did it, and both times have been hair-raising for different reasons. The last child that was born, it was like being thrust into a season of ER. All of a sudden... Everything was going fine, and then Levi's heart stopped beating. They couldn't find a heart rate. We had two people in the room, and suddenly there were five people in the room, and I had a lady turn to me, and she gave me some scrubs, and she said, put these on, and I asked a very stupid question. I said, so do I take off my clothes and put them on, or do I just put them She said, put them on. There wasn't time for that discussion. 
And the next thing is we're flying down the, the we're flying down, the, and there was just doors were opening, surgeons coming, lights flicking on. Uh, the anesthetist, who was an amazing man, took one look at me. I think he saw my face, and he said, come sit with me. I'll talk you through everything. And it was literally within minutes they had this baby out, heartbeat fine, everything good. But you know what the beautiful part of all that chaos was? There was new life. So maternity ward can be a little bit crazy and hair-raising, but it births new life. So in your local church, there's going to be things that are going to happen that are going to be wild, that are going to be crazy, that are going to be different. But if it's birthing new life, as a leader, you can always get up and you can speak into it. And I would encourage every church leader that when something happens in your church that may be a little bit different or that people have not seen before, don't just let it pass and go home. Get up and explain. Get up and speak into it. Because what that does is it brings confidence to the people that this is in the Bible and that God can work this way and this can happen. But what it also does is encourage them not to just be locked into a pattern that they may have. So it's really important. Anyway, that was just a side thing I wanted to put in there. So that word judge in that verse, it means to distinguish, to separate what is good and what is not good. And that's what you've got to do with every single word. This includes what was said. It includes how it was said. And it includes the reliability of who said it. Now, I'm well aware that God can speak through a donkey. Uh, he could probably speak through your cat, but what I would say is if you're regularly getting messages from your cat, you maybe want to go and see someone about that. I don't think it's the primary way that God's actually speaking to us. And uh, so if your dog's talking to you in English every morning, uh, go, and see, go and see one of your leaders and just get some prayer for that. The reliability of who speaks is important. Because what is their character? And as I said last night, if they've got, uh, you know, if they haven't bathed in a week and they've got eight Maltese poodles living in the car, just be careful about the word that they're going to give you. So when you're judging a word, ask yourself, what was said? How was it said? And the reliability of who said it. That's part of judging prophecy and weighing up what was in. Then there's some key questions that God wants you to ask. And let me throw these out to you. Number one. Does it agree with Scripture? Now, not everything you're going to find a verse for. There's no verse for what I've called my first son, whose name is Denver. So what I'm saying is you've got to, it's got to line up with Scripture, with the heart of the length and the breadth of Scripture. Give you a crazy example, although in today's world it's not so crazy. People say, well, God's called me to leave the church, and I don't have to be part of any local church. I can just do my own thing. And as I've often said to people, the only time you get to do that is if your name's John and you've been persecuted for preaching the gospel, and they stuck you on an island by yourself to get rid of you. Then you can legitimately say, it's me and Jesus, and that's it. Until then, it's you, Jesus, and the church. All right. So it's got to line up with Scripture. Then you've got to ask yourself this question, is there an inner witness for yourself when you receive the word? What did you receive when the word was given? Because if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, you're going to feel something on the inside. You're going to feel, mm. and even if it's a word that's bringing you into something new, you will still feel a liberty on that word if it's a word from God. Then ask yourself the question, does it agree with the character of God? And you know, one of the only ways you're going to find this out is if you're spending regular time in God's presence and God's Word. I know my wife's character because we spend a lot of time together. And so therefore, you can't be a lazy Christian 
living from prophecy to prophecy to prophecy. You've got to spend time in the Word for yourself. And when God brings someone to speak into your life, there'll be an inner witness and you'll know that it lines up with Scripture and you'll know actually this is the character of my Father. I can receive this Word. So therefore you can't be a lazy Christian. And we've got a lot of lazy Christians today, particularly online, that are literally living their life from prophecy to prophecy to prophecy, can't hear God for themselves and expecting someone else to hear God for them all the time. Not exclusively, but a large part of prophecy is actually confirmation of what God has already said to you. So a lot of people say, well, how come I'm not getting a prophetic word? Well, have you got something God said to you? Have you opened your ears to hear God for yourself? If you do, then God has got something to prophesy on. Does that make sense? Then ask, does it bring honor to God? Does it bring honor to God? Is this going to bring glory to Jesus? Who's this word going to bring glory to? Then a very simple one you can ask is, did it ever come to pass? And I'm going to teach you how we can help with that. And then lastly, did you get any perspective on it from those who are in leadership over you? That's really important. My wife and I have received some prophetic words over the years, and you listen to some of them and you think, gosh, that's, that's way out of my league. That's big. Um, it's scary. We'll take that and we'll actually play it. We've actually had Leo and Christine sit in our lounge, and we've actually played them prophecies that we've received and asked them to speak into it, what they see and what they're thinking. You guys remember that, sitting in our lounge doing that? Because I want to get some perspective on what I've received. Two things. I don't want to miss what God has said. And also, I don't want to run after something that's not God, waiting for something to happen that hasn't been intended ever to happen. And you need to make sure you're getting the right person's perspective on it. Because you want people to talk you into the will of God, not out of the will of God. And there's a lot of people that will think, oh, I don't want him to do that. He's going he's gonna to get ahead of me in whatever, you know, their selfish motives. So I'll just talk him out of that. Make sure it's faithful people who've got your best interests at heart that genuinely love you and are rooting for you to succeed. That's why for me personally, I know with people like Leo and Christine and Michael, I can share those things openly because one thing I know about Michael is he's rooting for me to succeed and become everything God's called me to be with no other ulterior motive. So therefore, it's a safe place for me to get perspective. So really important we grab hold of that. All right, then the second thing. So that's discerning the word. I'd encourage every believer to discern what God's given you. And you say, gee, that's quite a list, Clift. I have to do that every time. You know, the more you do it, the more it just becomes second nature. That while someone's speaking to you, you can discern it. You're picking up because you've got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. So as they're speaking, you're receiving, you're passing it through all those filters. It doesn't have to be a long, exhaustive thing. But if you practice those things, it becomes second nature. And when you're receiving something, you can immediately start to discern, all right, God's on this. This is what's happening. This is what's taking place. This is what I need to do. Then when you have a word from God, the second thing, and this is the part that you play, is you need to birth the word in prayer. When you receive a word from God, you need to understand that there's something God wants you to do to see it happen. And here's the reason. You heard it, but so did the devil. He hates it. The demons hate it. And they're going to make sure that they do everything in their power to make sure you never walk in that word. I really get amazed at Christians when they say to me, I went to a conference. I received a prophecy. And then all hell broke loose. Yes, that's pretty normal. You should expect that that's exactly what's going to happen. All hell is going to try and break loose over you. 
And that's not the time to withdraw. That's the time for you to step up and say, actually, in fact, if you receive a word and you know it's God and then you receive opposition, you should actually start to get really excited because then you know, oh, I'm onto something here. Something's really stirring. Something's happening. I mean, I don't often share these things and, and, I, and, I, and I haven't even really shared it at home, at home yet because you don't want to freak people out. But about a month ago, I had something appear in my room and uh, had to deal with it. It wasn't an angel. Was something else. <laughs> and I had to deal with it. But part of dealing with it, I actually got a little bit excited because I said, Nova and I chatted in the morning and said, Well, we're under something here. That doesn't happen unless you're under something. That doesn't happen unless you're pressing in and you're breaking new ground. So when you're receiving opposition, in fact, I would go as far to say this as a believer if you never receive opposition, you should go back and hear God and get on with what He's asked you to do because there will always should be some level of opposition. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to avow. Now, I'm not glorifying the devil. I'm just telling you, you're going to receive opposition. And it's good that you know that before that. Go with me to the book of 1 Kings 18, please, because I want to just um, unpack this and show you how we do this in prayer. One Kings eighteen, verse forty one. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. Now listen to the language of that. There is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Elijah, seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rose off to Je rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So just listen to some of the language of this. It says, go and eat and drink for there is the sound of heavy rain. Did they see any heavy rain? Was there even a cloud in the sky? No. And often when you receive a word, yes, there's an element of confirmation and then there's an element of God wanting you to take you into new things. And when you're pressing into new things, often you're hearing it, but you're not yet seeing it. And that's probably the most difficult time to be in when you're not seeing it. But he persisted. And it actually says that he put his head between his knees. Now, I'm not going to demonstrate that for you today because I probably won't get up again afterwards. But if you understand, if you go back into those times, that was actually considered the birthing position. What we have today, where you're in a hospital bed, and I'm not going to go into all the, the details of all of that, is very different from what happened back in those days. That was the birthing position. What was Elijah doing? He was getting into the birthing position to pray. What was he doing? He was birthing what he had seen into the natural through prayer. And that's what you're going to have to do with every word that God gives you. You're going to have to press in, you're going to have to pray, and you're going to have to birth in prayer what God has actually given you. And I find this an amazing passage of Scripture because you think, well, after you've prayed and you've birthed, that the sky would automatically turn black and everything would change. But the servant comes back and says, after all of this, there's only a cloud the size of a man's hand. 
Now, if that's me, I'd be saying, God, really? Seriously? You gave me a word. I've been pressing in. I've been praying. You said there's heavy rain. And all that's appeared after all of this is a cloud the size of a man's hand. But that's the seed form of what God's wanting to do. God always gives us things in seed form. We have a responsibility to plant those seeds and to birth them and grow them through prayer. Then eventually the sky changed. It blackened and there was the sound of heavy rain. You know, when my wife was pregnant, people didn't ask her at the time when she needed to go to the hospital, you know, Nova, what are you doing? And she didn't reply and say, oh, I'm just popping down to the hospital to give birth. Just going to pop in quickly, have a baby. No, it took nine months from conception for that child to grow in the womb. And then the birthing wasn't the easiest thing in the world either. There's a lot of pain involved, a lot of pressure, but new life was at the end of it. So I want to say this to you. If you've got a genuine call and a genuine word from God, you and you alone are going to have to press in. You can't get anybody else to do this for you. You need to do the work. You need to rise up. You need to take responsibility for the word and the call of God over your life. You need to get into the prayer closet. You need to put your head between your knees and you need to birth what God's given you in prayer. Please don't blame anybody else for your lack of spirituality. Every one of us is responsible. Yes, we can have people come alongside. People can help us. But at the end of the day, God's wanting you to birth what he's given you in prayer. And you say, well, can't it be easier than that? No. Because when you first get born again, how many of you found this? I know when I first got born again, a whole lot of miracles happened. A whole lot of things were so easy. I thought, you know, this Christian thing's amazing. It's very easy. And then all of a sudden, all of that stopped. And then I found it extremely hard. And I said to the Lord, what's happened? And he said, well, when you first got born again, you were a baby, Cliff. I did it all for you. Now I'm no longer going to do it all for you. I expect you to take some responsibility, apply what's in my word, and start to do it for yourself. Many Christians never graduate from that place. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I've come here today to prophesy over someone to say, don't give up. Don't give up on that word God gave you. It's still going to come to pass. You see, the problem is we, we have an instantaneous culture in the world today. And this is my third point. You've got to understand the timings of God. We want everything now. It's like McDonald's. Pull up to the window. I'd like three prophecies, one word of knowledge. Oh, and can you throw in a prophet and apostle, please? What would you like to be today? I'd like to be an evangelist. Can you throw that in at the window? Do you know that some of these gifts we've been talking about this week, they take years to grow, years to mold, years to shape. So sitting in our midst here today, totally unknown to anyone else in the world, are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that are in the making. Don't give up on what God's given you. Birth the word. Understand the timing of God. Some things just take longer to cook than others. You can have McDonald's. You can have it now. And I, or you can have something that's been slow roasted, that's been cooked for a long time. You know, I know we're going to have lunch soon. But, you, you know, my, my wife comes from Indonesia, and she's a phenomenal cook. She does a thing called beef rendang, and it cooks for 24 hours. And when it's ready, you open it up, you put the meat in your mouth, it literally melts in your mouth like chocolate. You can see from my body shape that I'm a, a great consumer of the, of the food of my wife. 
So some of the things God's given you are just going to have to brew for a while. But in the brewing, you keep praying. In the brewing, you keep bringing it to God. Don't you find it amazing in some of the verses like you read in Acts chapter 4 where they get up and they declare, Sovereign Lord. And I've often read that and I thought to myself, did God need to be reminded that he's sovereign? So in other words, God forgot he's sovereign and the people praying under pressure had to say, hey, um, you're sovereign. Or did the people praying need to be reminded that God's sovereign? The people praying need to be reminded. So you bringing the word before is not always to remind God and understand there's, there's process in that, but it's to remind yourself of what God has said and to keep it before him and keep believing and not let doubt settle in, not let anxiety settle in, not begin to speak against what God has given you because I find a lot of people, they receive something from God, then some pressure comes and they talk themselves right out of the will of God. Talk yourself into his will, not out of his will. I hope people get nervous and say, oh, Cliff, is this works? No, this is not works. This is your responsibility as a believer to take what God's given you because whenever God speaks, he asks us to do something with what he said. And then the bits that you can't do, you leave it up to him and you watch him work and do what only he can do. Luke 2.19, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, can you imagine being Mary? I know we read that story and Christmas comes and we think, oh, it's a lovely story. How would you like an angel appear to you and tell you you're going to have a baby as a virgin? But not only that, this baby happens to be the son of God. So what happened to you last night, Mary? Saw something happen to you in church last night. What happened to you? Well, an angel appeared to me. Joseph and I are not going to be together, but I'm going to fall pregnant. Oh, and by the way, the baby's going to be the son of God. How many people are buying your story? That's why she took those things and she pondered them in her heart. Some of the things God's given you, you're going to speak out between you and him only. Because otherwise, you're going to be misunderstood and people are going to think you've got far ahead of yourself. But at really, at the end of the day, it's him. You need to take them, ponder them in your heart, hold them in your heart, bring them before him. And then I want to say this to you. Don't let your current lack of understanding prevent you from, take, from God taking you into fresh things. Because we're all limited by our current lack of understanding. I've taken the view now that when I see something that I don't have a grid for, I don't walk out and say, that's not God. I ask God, is it you? I don't understand it, but it's you. It's got all your fruit. It's got all your character. It's got all your nature. I've never seen it before, but I want to embrace it. Because if you cut that off and you just have a grid that says, I go this far and no further, that's the realm in which you're living. You have now framed the world that you're going to live in. And God doesn't want you to frame your own world. He wants your world to be framed by what he's told you to do. So don't let your current lack of understanding prevent you from coming into new things. Mary had to take those things, ponder them in her heart, because how would you feel that you're holding the Son of God? The fourth thing is once you've got a word and you've discerned it and you're praying it, you're bringing it before the Lord, you're waiting on God's timing, you need to plan and start walking in the direction that he's given you. If you're going to take the time to get a word from God, why not take the time to get the plan to walk out the word? 
Now, you may not have the whole 10 years, but he'll give you the next step. Proverbs 24, 3 to 4 says this, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established. And by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Another translation says, Wise people are builders. They build families, businesses, communities, and through intelligence and insight, their enterprises are established and endure. Faith without a plan is like a restaurant with no food. Imagine going to a restaurant and you sit down and they give you a menu and you say, oh, I'd like that. And they say, no, we don't have that. Oh, okay, then I'd like that. No, we don't have that. And you get to the end of the menu and you say, well, what do you have? And they say, no, we don't have anything here. But you say, well, what's the menu for? No, the menu was just to remind us of what we used to have. (laughs) Faith without a plan is like a restaurant with no food. You've got to start planning and walking in the direction. If God's put something in your heart, you've got to say to him, what's the next step? This, a lot of believers miss out on this because they're waiting for God to do everything for them. God's called you into a divine partnership. You're not doing it in your own strength. You're doing it in his, but yet there's still some things you need to do. You're going to have to put a plan in place. You're going to have to say, planning is not anti-faith. Like I said last night, when we were believing for our building, we planned, we took up offerings, and then when we came up $30,000 short, God took another church and gave us the $30,000 when they didn't even know that was the exact sum we needed. We did everything we could. We planned, we prepared, we brought it before the Lord, and then what we couldn't do supernaturally, He came in and He did. But if we had just sat there saying, we're not going to do anything, we'll just wait for the building to land in our laps, we'd probably still be waiting for the building to land in our laps. Planning is not anti-faith. In fact, faith and planning run together. Faith is planning. As I say, you might not have the next 10 steps, but but take take the next step. The Holy Spirit will anoint your thoughts to make plans that are supernatural that will help you address any problems you encounter on the way. And this is so important because I don't believe it's a choice between believing in the supernatural and being a wise planner. I believe it's both. So what do you need to do when you've received a word from God? You need to discern the word. You need to bring that word in prayer and birth what God's put in your heart. Don't be a lazy believer. Birth it in prayer. Then you need to understand the timings of God and be okay with waiting for some things to develop and don't become disheartened or talk yourself out of the will of God in the process. And then the fourth thing is you need to start planning and walking in the direction that God's given you. It's very hard, illustration we all know, it's very hard to turn a parked car, but you can turn a car that's moving. And even if you take the first two steps and they happen to be slightly off, at least you're moving and God can bring a course correction and help you walk and bring it straight. But if you're not moving at all, there's not much that can be done. And that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to pray for some people, and then I know, um, Janet, if you're open to this, if God's given you for a specific thing that you feel publicly for anybody in the room, we'd love to just see you unleashed in the gifting that God's given you, amazing woman of God. I want to, Ryan, I want to pray for you. Yeah. Come on.
<laughs> Janet, come and join me because I think there's more to what God wants to do here. So come stand here. I only met you for the first time the other day, seen you on a couple of podcasts and things like that. Don't know a huge amount except that you're in Hong Kong and, and bits and pieces of that, but you've got such a beautiful spirit about you and there's such a genuineness of, of who you are in God. The minute I met you, I, I could just sense that and I could just feel that. And the word God gave me was very short and sharp, but I felt him say this, there's another church in you. I don't know what your thoughts or your plans are for the future or what you're thinking, but I feel like you're going to find now, all of a sudden, you're going to feel that you're going to feel what you felt before, and you're going to feel that it's birthing on the inside of you. I can't tell you when or how, but I feel like you're being raised up as a significant leader for this nation, that your time outside of the nation, God has done some things, great things through you, but you've come back to Australia, and in the coming back to Australia, there's something, you're a, you're, you're a, I feel like you're a son of the soil here. And God's saying, I want, my, I want one of my sons of the soil to be raised up. And I feel like you're going to lead a very significant church into the future. I don't know if it's a plant or a transition, but it's going to be significant is what I feel the Lord's actually saying. But I feel like, as I just looked at you, there's another church inside of you. And if you've been told not to or it hasn't or you shouldn't, or what, I feel like you need to take that back before the Lord and say, actually, God, you've given me something. I'm just going to say what I feel. I don't feel like you, you're called to just go and do business. So I feel like God has raised you up as a minister. God has raised you up to lead a, a significant family. I think you have an understanding of fivefold and around a whole bunch of principles that God's wanting you to bring. And I feel like Australia needs what you've got. And that you're going to be, you, you're going to step into something and you're going to be surprised at how well received you are in that place. And it's, the doors are going to begin to open. And so I don't want to put pressure on you. You don't have to walk out of here and do that. You're under no pressure from me at all. It's confirming. It's confirming. I get, got the phrase, run with fire, and I, I saw like it was like a new propulsion system that you were being given. It felt like in the past there'd been a lot of pushing. You, you, you know what it is to push through in God and to get the breakthrough, but I felt like in the years ahead, there's going to be, it was like uh, seeing a jet that was, had been given a whole new propulsion system. There was a whole new fuel going into it, and there was going to be an ease to what you're going to be launching out into. hardly know you, but really like you. There's a real genuineness about you and what God's doing. And so just want to give you a hug, man, and just... Give it a minute. I really feel like this. I'm not the one to put Janet under pressure, although I've probably done that already. Sorry, I apologize for that. I do apologize. But she's, she's so gifted in this. I just feel that there's some, some leaders in the room that could benefit. And if there is anything, that's great. If not, that's fine. We, we can. Yeah. You're going to work with me, Cliff, right? Yeah, I'll work with you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. There's a real, um, I'll let you get your phone ready. 
I just feel there's a real stability about you. There's a strength about you. And I felt like um, a pillar in the house of the Lord. And I'm not sure that you see yourself like that, but there's something that's incredibly stable about you that some people will make it push this way or that way. But no matter the way the, the wind blows against you or the storms come, you're just going to keep standing in faith. There's a gift of faith around you. There's, um, there's integrity around you. And there's... Yeah, it's just a real goodness, a goodness around you. It's like um, it's like what Jesus said to Nathaniel, a man in whom there is no guile. I'm feeling that around you, this goodness. You're a person that people can rely on. You're reliable, a man of integrity, a man of strength, a man who will stand in the house. And just like a, a tree, a large tree, you, you get birds that can shelter in the tree and animals that can shelter under the tree. You're going to be a place where people can come that are feeling battered from the storm and they'll come knowing that you'll have a word of God from God for them. And they know that it's not coming with flattery or anything weird. It's just coming from the heart of God and they're going to feel that love. They're going to feel shored up. They're going to feel protected and safe with you. Amazing, wow. I just, I just feel like you've come here with a hunger because you feel that there's a call of ministry on your life. And I feel like the Lord's saying, be open to that and start planning and preparing for that. Even if people thought you're not the likely candidate, it really doesn't matter what they think of you. It matters what he thinks of you. And it matters what he's spoken over you. I'll tell you now, I'm probably the most unlikely candidate. If you knew, most people don't know how um, introverted I was that I couldn't speak in front of 12 people. But God put his hand on me, and over time with the right people around me, I was helped into what God's got for me. So if people have thought you're not the most likely candidate, it doesn't matter because you're God's candidate. And I feel like he's put his hand on you. There's a desire and a hunger for you for that. So I want you to, I feel the Lord wants you to pursue that and not be distracted by what anyone else is saying. Get around some good voices, but there's a call to ministry on your life, even a call of full-time ministry at some point. And so you've come here with that expectation and that hunger, and the Lord said, I'm going to meet you at that place. So be encouraged, bro. I might see the person I was looking out for tonight, maybe. Yeah, no, I'll leave it. All right, hand over to you guys. That's us, okay. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.